Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Afropolitan Central. We are so excited to have you here today to discuss um, Children of Blood and Bone. As usual, I am your co-host, Omalaya, here with the fabulous Nana. And then we have a very special guest for you all today as well. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. <laughs> My name is Nicole Magavo Chigundu. And I'm from well, Uganda, and I'm a writer, storyteller. So, of course, we have to get her insight as we talk about one of the hottest books on the Afropolitan scene right now. Exactly. Um, so, like Amalia has said, like, if you haven't heard about this book, I wonder what rock you've been living under. Because <laughs> um, I actually heard about it a year before it hit, like, um, wow, because you're I so heard- hip. Uh, gone by <laughs> you are <laughs> i think it's i feel like, like i heard about it a few months ago yeah i heard about it either through like brittle paper or like one of those okay. african like centric um websites or whatever that i follow um and it was because she had gotten a book deal and a seven-figure deal like even before the mm. book had like been published and hit um bookstores so i was like oh my gosh okay. what is this um so i've been hyped about it and it lived up to the hype so i'm really excited for us to um dig into it but i think that like for the fantasy genre like we haven't really i won't say we haven't had anything because that's a lie because i know there's sure. a nigerian author um her name escapes me Nidhi yes 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 yeah. Um, Nidhi who's like very prominent in that Mm -hmm. space and she like her book Binta or was it Binti? Binti yeah Binti Binti has been on my list for a bit and I know that she also has something that's um, in production at HBO Mm -hmm. or something like that so she's yeah she's been um you know very much creating our stories in that space um but I'm also happy for um Tomi to also come along so uh, the reason why I think Tommy's book got so much uh, hype and, mm-hmm. and and press before, say, someone like Nnedi yeah. is she entered this competition called Pitch Wars. I don't know if you guys have heard of it before, yeah. but Pitch Wars is this uh, publishing industry mm-hmm. type of competition. It's free for authors. Mm-hmm. Anybody can submit a first chapter synopsis. And if you get to the next level, you get mentors Mm. who can select you. So those mentors are either published authors, agents, editors, and they are taking time out of their schedule to help you edit. So you have like a stage where you submit and if people like it, you submit a specific mentor. If the mentor likes your thing, they pick it up. And then they work with you for two to three months, developing your manuscript, developing it, rewriting it. And so, she had she got her mentor picked uh, a lady called Ashley Hearn and then they have an agent showcase so agents from all of our different agencies all over the world so is this an American centric thing or where it's global but it's very heavy in America because it started with a published author called Brenda Drake and mm-hmm. and so the agent showcase is basically like every day, say for two days, like the adult fiction, then the next day young adult fantasy, then the next day middle age. So her book received, I think, 15 to 18 agent requests Whoa. for more information because you submit like wow. there's a blog post for excerpt. So this is 2016. Okay. And she wrote the book in three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she had been thinking about this story yeah, for a bit. She yeah. visited Brazil and yeah, Salvador. Yeah, yeah she wrote the book yeah, in three months, yeah. and obviously there's a little preparation. But received fifteen, at least fifteen Which agent requests, unprecedented. unprecedented yeah, wow. and then 
a ton of publishing offers because the book was hot. It was yeah. it resonated so powerfully. And I think that's so interesting in the best way possible because I yeah. think I read an interview with her um because she went to Harvard and she was saying something about how like her writing teacher mm-hmm. or she took a course, whatever, mm-hmm. the guy or the whoever it was was like, I don't think you're very good and I don't think yeah. you're really going yeah. to get far. Yeah. I um, mean you need to wow. it up. And so now it's like, like yeah. <laughs> So I think for me, that's when I first heard about her, when there was like all this news about how um, this book that was very like, you know, African fantasy mm-hmm. novel, whatever, was turning into like um, a movie and everything. So that's, yeah. I think that announcement and those news like made the rounds several months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when she first came onto my radar and I got yeah. to watch the interview she did with her family. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I loved about that one is that um, I think there was one episode that we talked about um, where, you know, we feel like maybe certain professions aren't looked upon mm-hmm. as like realistic professions. Mm-hmm. And so for her to be a writer and then she had the, um, you know, the support of her parents mm-hmm. and her brother and everything yeah. like that, that to mm-hmm. me was a really powerful story and too. Another insight as well for in terms of the movie is I'm, I'm a screenwriter. So when they buy your script, a, a studio is optioning it. So they're just renting it to see. They're optioning the rights to see. And usually that's what's happened with books. Mm. So an option is they'll see, you know, let's put it in development for a year at least and investigate whether we can make this into a viable film. Mm. What Fox did was they bought the rights outright. It's like you mm. can either rent a home or you can buy the home. They wow. bought the home before the book was, was, was released. This is January wow. 2017. So, I mean, the book's high was ridiculous. I actually was like, I don't want to read that. No, I, <laughs> no, what is this? Like, what? Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Too much hype. Too, Too much, much hype. <laughs> and also, yeah, what I found is very funny and interesting is that she describes it as like Black Panther, but with mm-hmm. magic or something like yes, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think also it's good that it was released around this time where we've just come off this. Well, uh, was it released before or after Black Panther? It was after March after, 2018. Okay, March, yeah. Okay, okay. Where it's around that time where like loads of us are in our Wakanda love phase yeah. and we're you know so oh, yeah. excited to oh, see yeah. ourselves oh, represented yeah. on the screen oh, and yeah. our stories told and us being um at the helm of mm-hmm. you know how our experiences are translated mm-hmm. on the big mm-hmm. screen so this is just a continuation yes. um, of all yeah. of that so yeah that's been really good and for me like um, as a child who read Harry Potter and yeah. was always under yeah. my bed sheet covers with my torchlight, like, <laughs> yeah. reading, like, to now be able to read something like this, where, like, I make notes saying, like, the fact they have a class symbols and mm. they have Galatians, and they have mm. just all these things that are so familiar to me, mm-hmm. like, as a Ghanaian African child, like, mm. that is, well, not child anymore. I'm really exciting. I'm a woman now, but, like, that is you know one of the best feelings like yeah exactly and then like being able to read about you know how like black and beautiful her skin was and then like Mm -hmm. you know she would talk about how dark her mother was just like Mm -hmm. just little things like that yeah from the main character were really powerful yeah 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 okay so without much ado we're actually going to get into it so we'll say that a synopsis of the story so okay so we went back and forth on this Please be aware that this is not spoiler-free. Like, if you haven't read it, um, yeah, there are going to be loads of spoilers along the way because we want to make sure that we're able to, like, deep dive into it. Um, So if you haven't read it, listen at your own risk. Hopefully, like, this will just spare you to, like, run and go get it. Um, But beware, like, there will be spoilers. So... This book, and I, I didn't realize until interviews that she did that I was completely pronouncing the girl's name wrong because I kept calling her Zili, but I think it's Zeli. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, Zelly. And like, but yeah, yeah, in my head, it was definitely Zelly. Yeah. Um, it's like Hermione. Everyone's yeah. like, uh, I just said in Uganda for I like Hermione. Hum- I used to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the first movie came out, Hermione, I was like, like so which one is this? And who is this character? <laughs> I don't know her. And for me, I never think like I, um, there was an inflection on the E for me. I was just like, Hermione. Like, I just like to get right. to my own level. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so there's Zaley, who's um, a young girl. Um, she is a diviner, which is what we call, like, little kids that are kids of Magi, more or less, or mm-hmm. kids that have been chosen. Um, her mom and basically, what, what, actually, like, 11 or 12 years ago, there had been a rage that was carried out by the king of the land um, because, essentially, magic was um perceived and treated as this like evil thing that you know the society wouldn't be able to flourish as long as you know people that had magic lived um so a big raid was carried out where you know anybody that had these magical powers who are called the magi they were hung they were Mm -hmm. killed brutally um and basically just wiped out of society so Zaley is one of the casualties of this raid because her mother was taken away from her um her brother and I think her dad are both Kusidan which means like they don't have magic right they're regular people um and this book is almost about her um going through the journey of bringing magic back because at some point in time she gets a sign that perhaps um, magic can come back. And so she's on this, mm-hmm. like, epic quest mm-hmm. with her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think it's interesting because she's on the quest reluctantly. Mm-hmm. She yes, is. Because it was kind of like, you know, yeah. Yeah, she is. Because it was just because, like, you know, she ran into the princess and then um, the princess had, like, the key to bring magic back. And Zelly was like, anybody but me. Like, I don't think it should be me that should carry out this yeah. quest. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I... Zaley's a character that like frustrated me every now and then but I think it's also just because we're just complete opposites so yeah. I'm just a very careful very whatever person and so there's calculating yeah very yeah where there are times where like her actions like I just would not understand I'm like why are you doing this why are you <laughs> just doing calm it? down just like you wait know, just uh-huh. calm down because within just a couple of pages of reading this book this girl had already like you know acted very impetuously yeah. and put yeah. lies on yeah. risk and done yeah. this I'm like just hold this your tongue <laughs> This is exactly like I'm exactly like like that. so I was like yes risk it go go I was like yeah I I I I didn't understand the brothers like uh, saying Zane's um just uh, big brotherness mm-hmm. it was a bit yeah. suffocating but it was understandable it was also, given yeah. Zelly's just I was about to say she didn't have the best um, track record no she was not very disciplined yeah. was no, she yeah. no. <laughs> Um, so essentially, um, the book just follows the, these three throughout this, throughout this journey. And one thing that's um, constant throughout this book is that everybody's doing what they think is right. Mm. right? Everybody mm-hmm. is yeah. very convicted. Yeah, you're right. Every single buddy. Right? Everybody's very <laughs> convicted with what they're doing. Like, I'm on the correct path. Um, so that, 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 that makes it very interesting. And I... I She's, she spoke about it in her interviews that, like, in the characters that she writes, she wants to add every point in, at different points in time to be able to agree or to be able to understand mm-hmm. that character and make sure that whatever it is that they pursue, it is valid. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's just being used mm-hmm. for random reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that aspect of the novel was well done because nobody yeah, was Yeah, that's definitely came out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nobody, no character was fat. Like, each person, even if you were completely convinced that you're crazy and you're yes. evil, you yeah. 
yes. still it was, it was very Killmonger-ish yeah you know? the empathy on this in this story was high yeah, high high yeah. peak yeah, yeah. Empathy. Very peak. yeah. and I think we didn't really describe Amari too much so Amari okay. she's the princess okay. um, so the king of the land like he's Kusidian so like no magic whatever and he just really hates like everything magic um, and his backstory is kind of that his first family was killed by magicians and so for him and his said like magic is the root of all evil in the land. And so his idea is to like wipe it out, right? And so he raised um, his two kids, Amari and Inan, um, to like hate magic, you know, view magic as like, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen to Orisha. That's the name of the place where they live, like yeah. the name of their kingdom. Um, and so Amari though, like she's really quiet, really um, shy and like doesn't really seem to like castle life. But she has this um, like servant friend um, that she's like super close to and oh my gosh her name is slipping my mind but I think it's like Bintel or something Binti. like that yeah. yeah that's okay um, and so the dad like the king ends up like finding um, this the scroll that is able to bring back magic um, and so he like they like grab Binta and they like take her to the throne room and like make her touch it to show that it can bring magic back and then as soon as she touches it like all these beautiful lights come out of her hand and everything and so the king just like kills her like right then and there like no questions no execution no trial no nothing like and no like you know there's no because like the girl she she was forced to touch it so it's not as if she like wanted to bring the magic back or anything they forced her to touch it to prove that it can bring magic back then they just like killed her and so um amari the princess she like witnessed all of that um and so like she just kind of like takes a stroll the scroll and runs off and so that's kind of how her and zelly end up um crashing paths yeah and then our story begins <laughs> yeah and i think um one thing that like i think it didn't dawn on me as much in the first reading as it did in the second reading um is the courage it took for her to do that because mm-hmm. at the end of right. the day if we bring this back to like present day life yeah. right i think the the easiest um parallel to draw is from like racism like, yeah we yeah. have so yeah. many like yeah. white friends that you know may very well you know have us as friends or whatever and so they can from a certain point like you know hear about you know our racial experiences etc but it takes a lot of courage to be like even though i'm not affected by this directly or even though like mm-hmm. that is not my fate and i realistically will never ever have to go through this so i'm actually right. going to take a stand against this against this and like risk my right. life and put myself on the mm-hmm. front lines mm-hmm. right and so i think that what amari did that was extremely courageous because at, at the end of the day like she had never like she had never even had a view of the kingdom because her mm. room was structured whatever mm. in the way that it still viewed the courtyard and mm. so mm-hmm. like this is how sheltered she was, but she was so convicted like once Binta was killed really of oh my goodness my dad is actually I evil. need to do yeah. something my dad's crazy yeah that's right. a really good detail that she added in the book about really the view from her room being the courtyard and yep. being very sheltered. It reminded yep. me of a pastor's kid, the stereotype surrounding uh, pastor's kids. Uh, is that, you know, if your life is constricted by mm-hmm, church and Christianity mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're yearning for what, what else? What what's out there? Yeah. Or like Amish people, you know, like they have that time when they get eighteen and they are allowed to go away and come back. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think more of like um segregation. So Mm -hmm. people like, you know, wanting like all white schools, all white this, all white Mm -hmm. that. So like their kids could never really see like what the other communities even lived like, you know what I mean? You never interacted with other communities. So how are you supposed to build empathy? 
where like yeah. you never interact with yeah, like people yeah. from a different yeah. um like color you don't see what it looks like to, like live in the slums or the ghettos or whatever exactly, exactly. Um, because i think that's what it always takes isn't it it always ultimately i think we as humans unless something directly affects us so unless we encounter somebody we build a relationship with somebody and mm-hmm. then start to care about that person and then want to know about their reality yeah. like we never it'll never move us enough to be like oh exactly. actually because like we hear, so like imagine if um yeah you know imagine if amari's friend was also a kusudian you know what i mean yeah like if Vinta wasn't a Kusudian, like you know this whole time i would never have happened like she yeah. might never have gained that empathy and everything like that so. yeah. um and then just real quick while we're on this topic do we think that um the fact that amari's room was inward facing whereas Inan got to like travel all over mm. do you guys think that was a gender thing or was it just because yeah. Amari refused to fight that one time do you know what I mean do we have confirmation though that Inan was yeah, always exactly. exposed yeah yeah I'm not yeah. sure oh uh, no yeah yeah, yeah we do because he was, he Amari at one point was like I would always go to um Inan's room and look from his balcony because oh, really? his room didn't okay. look into the courtyard. Yeah, and also, yeah. she talked about how Inan got to, like, travel all over yeah, with the military. Yeah. And she yes. didn't. She, like, never left the castle. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that there was sexism packed through it. And also, in I, I can't speak for all of Africa, but just Ugandan culture, this idea that uh, men, that men are... Are you know providers are the the, the backbone and, <laughs> and and just made me think of what Chimamanda said in her you know we are all feminist thing that it's the duty of the person who can provide to provide mm. so Amari can fight just as lethally as Inan could but yeah. and there was evidence of and that. there's evidence of that and when but, when yeah. that was shown I was like okay Amari yeah. I see you I see yeah so oh my yeah goodness. I agree with you and yeah. oh my goodness um while while we're on Amari like you guys it was just sweet poetic justice but I don't know that's <laughs> the correct word to use that yeah. she was the one that ultimately yeah spoiler Killed her dad. Like, yeah. that, I was just like, okay, okay, just okay. The okay, ton okay. of, e- the sequence of events yes. that led to that yes. was so believable. I yes. didn't question yes. it. But no. it happened. Very. And it really is goes to show how talented Tommy is and She's how really good job you, can, you can feel the love and hard work and sweat and blood that was shed to write this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. It's, it's so simply written but in you know simple things are deceiving they're just oh, they, yeah. yeah tell me if you're listening so many good things <laughs> well done <laughs> great job I um, think, um, and i'd like to circle back to the gender when we break down themes a little bit but we can like go on and talk about maybe some of our favorite moments and like memorable quotes that we have yeah so i think for me one of mine was quite early on um with mamagba when she's like mm-hmm. they don't hate you my child they hate what you were meant to become mm-hmm. um and i think that for me like i read that i was just like oh lordy mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. is that is quite deep because i think when we think about these issues once again mm-hmm. racism or whatever i don't think that anybody sits there and thinks about individual people Right, yeah, like right. it's it's not that way. It's just more. It's just like the idea of them that yeah, you hate. collective and just oh those people and they're being ungrateful mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know they always mm-hmm. want benefits or they always like it's just 
Exactly. It, it's never and then when you do out. meet one person that like doesn't fit that stereotype in your yes. head, you're like, oh, you're the exception. You're, you're the, the good exception. one. Mm-hmm. You, you don't like change your perception of the whole group. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, I think that one was one that stuck with me. And I also saw that loads of people had underlined that because I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I yeah. That's um, that. Um, that and then I did. People. I did want to mention something real quick because I actually didn't realize because um, I didn't watch any interviews with Tommy yeah. um, before I read this. So I didn't actually realize that she meant for this to be like a parallel with like you know um, the Black Lives Matter movement and like you know the struggles for freedom around the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until I read like her afterwards. Like she wrote a few yeah. mm-hmm. um, paragraphs at the end of her book. Um, and so it's interesting because now that I'm trying to think back, like I'm trying to see if I noticed those themes like I think like once I read that part that she was like oh I wrote this in a time when you know things were really difficult in the U.S. and we had like you know people getting shot all the time and whatever um you know things like that when I read that and then thought back of the book I was like ah okay I see I feel like I could appreciate Mm. the book even more Mm. but I think even without knowing that fact I still really enjoyed the book on the level of like really beautiful like fantasy novel really beautiful theme of like oppressed people fighting Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. their right to just live you know what I mean so I think the theme was obvious even before I knew that that was the theme and then once I knew it was the theme I got an even like deeper level of appreciation for the book so I Mm -hmm. did want to let you guys out there listening know that like Tommy did like purposefully want to evoke those um memories and um themes from us and like because I think a lot of fantasy novels do have this idea of like you know the chosen one and a quest and blah 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 but hers goes above and beyond that and it's all about like you know these oppressed people trying to just fight for their their right to live you know yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that that also highlights something because I think that a lot of times the fantasy genre is quite white or is quite It mm-hmm. doesn't, for me, as, like, a, a an African girl, does not, a lot of times, um, you know, have themes that resonate with me. Mm-hmm. And so right. I'm sure that if you talk to somebody about um, Lord of the Rings or whatever, they're like, oh, my gosh, bro, like, it's so deep and mm-hmm. blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But for us, it doesn't resonate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or for me, it doesn't resonate. Mm-hmm. So that's why, once again, like, her ability to to um, create this universe, right, that highlights this issue that we, well, I'm sure somebody in Ghana is like, what the heck is Black Lives Matter? But mm-hmm. us, like, well, that's the thing. I, I think, diaspora, um, yeah. us in the diaspora that have lived in America at some point in time or whatever and understand that kind of racial tensions and racial um, burdens, et cetera, et cetera, like, we're able to be like, yes, you get us. Yes, this is representative of some of the experiences that we've had because I had I read an interview where she was talking about, you know, essentially the power of fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is you are able to create this world where you've suspended belief about everything else mm-hmm. and so you can just see black and white and what things are. These are just people that are fighting for their lives and then once you step out of the novel, then you're able to draw parallels and say, oh, there, there are similar things going on in my society. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. this author had this very specific idea in mind. Okay, perhaps maybe I can start to understand where these people are coming from, whereas maybe before um, certain strappings and certain um, various, quote-unquote, in society would have prohibited well, you. Abstract. From, yeah, 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 I'm understanding that. So. Yeah. yeah. But I think, um, I don't know, I don't think you have to be aware of the Black Lives Matter movement to appreciate this novel because I, um, so. I think even I, after I finished reading yeah. I texted you and I was like oh I think she could have definitely drawn some parallels about things that are going on in 
Nigeria, because like I was thinking about, you know, like the Fulani herdsmen, like killing villages, like in Nigeria and stuff like that. Like yeah. that definitely came to mind as I was reading this book. Yeah. So I think like you don't have to like, because I think that was kind of what was um, so beautiful about this book, like that that idea of like an oppressed people and people like losing loved ones to senseless violence unfortunately i feel like so many cultures around the world can relate to that yeah of course of course i think it's just the fact that for her this is the experience that she drew on because that's what she's familiar Mm -hmm. with so then if that's something that you're also familiar with then you're able to Mm -hmm. continue but you know i completely agree because this also made me think a lot because like when i first moved to america and encountered racism etc i was like oh my gosh i cannot believe that we as people you know want to treat somebody differently because of the color of their skin or etc but i think as i grew older and started to like even think about ghana i'm like i think it's as sad as it is i think it's human nature for us to always find something that we can Mm. recognize and use to dominate other people because i feel like back home it's along tribal lines yeah exactly we have like sometimes in ghana we have people from the north and we're always like oh those northerners oh they're so exactly like we hold all these crazy yeah people in nigeria do the same thing like they have these stereotypes about everybody in the north and (gasps) right and so sometimes like it's it's I think it, it just reveals to us who we who we are as people yeah. that we I don't know if it's like the insecurity I don't think it's a, I don't know if it's the darkness in us I, I just don't know but you're completely right Amalia that everybody around the world can always um, identify with this because we can always see in our own societies some form some elements some representation of us like either through education or through travel lines or mm-hmm. through gender or mm-hmm. through whatever. Yeah. Um, Oppressing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so other quotes that we liked. Um, I really like the, I won't let your ignorance silence my pain. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that line. That was like my favorite line from the whole, movie, <laughs> from the whole book. So um, I just, just thought a, it was just so, so powerful. Who said, especially, Amalaya? Sorry? Who, who said sorry? it sent to who? Oh, yeah, so sorry, it was Deli. I mean, so she said it to Inan in chapter 45. I think this was one of the times when they were, like, in his dreamscape. Mm. Um, so Inan's, like, um, <laughs> another spoiler, Inan ends up having, like, magical powers. Like, he was a Kusidian, and then, like, yeah. it's never been heard of. But, like, Kusidian, he eventually got magical powers, despite his tries not to um and so his power was like the ability to like make dreamscapes and like read minds essentially um and so Mm -hmm. he would be able to like conjure up this dream and then like zelly would be in the dream too and then they would like have conversations and so i think this was one of the times when Inan was finally coming to realize that like his dad actually is evil (laughs) and like did some really terrible things and whatever whatever um and I think, I don't know, I think Anand was kind of throwing himself a pity party. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Zelly was like, I will not let your ignorance mask my pain or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like, you, like, the fact that you didn't know is not an excuse to, like, silence me and my pain. Like, my pain is so valid even though you didn't know about it was essentially, yeah. like, what she was trying to say. Yeah. Um, and I... I had to return the book to the library, so I, I wish I could, like, mm-hmm. read more of what was around it, but it was yeah. just, like, really powerful in that moment, because it was one of those moments where, like, he was coming to terms with what was really happening, because I think a lot of times, like, I'll just, you know, be outright, like, the white people, like, they think they know what's happening, but like, they really mm-hmm. don't, like, I think, like, they don't realize, like, how oppressed black people in the U.S. are, at least, um, and things like that, and, like, you know, people are like, oh, like, why do you want to protest that way? Like, you know, try to tell oppressed people how to protest, like how to exactly. speak out about their anger. Mm-hmm. And so Sally being like, 
you can like you cannot use your privilege, you cannot use your ignorance to silence me. You know what I mean? So I thought that was like a really powerful line because it's something that I recognize happening. Like so, for example, um, we talk about white, you know, white tears, white women tears in the workplace. Mm. You know what I mean? So like when like a white woman like touches your hair, for example, and then you're like, what the heck? Like why did you touch my hair? Like she'll start crying, like oh I didn't know, blah 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 blah. blah. Mm. And so like by crying, like people are gonna sympathize with her instead of yeah. you, whose space was just violated. Mm. So I feel like white people like use their ignorance as an excuse to like silence other people's pain a lot and a lot mm. and a lot mm. you know yeah. so that that was why that line was just like really really powerful to me and i hope it's a line that like really sinks in with like any white liberals reading this book mm. That's a good point, <laughs> because i think yeah. some people think like you know they're being helpful and they're just like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i didn't know like blah 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 but it's like okay cool now you know like do something about it like stop crying right. <laughs> yeah i think for me what's always um very interesting and i've had to stop like reading comments on mm. like articles and stuff because then I just see people and their stance and their opinions and I'm just like, who are you and right. where are you coming from? Because I think that what sometimes is quite prevalent is it's not just that, oh, I didn't know, but it's it's sometimes coming from a place of I have never experienced this and I'll never experience this. However, mm-hmm. because of white, my white privilege, I'm going to tell you how you should feel right. Right. about this thing. Yes, or exactly. Or diminish what you have felt. Yeah. And I'm just like, but you have never felt this and you can't have ever experienced it. Yeah. Therefore, you can't tell me what my experience needs to be. But I think mm-hmm. that, you know, this one's... Or I should react to it. How, mm-hmm. how I should react to it. Because I think, you know, you can talk about like the football player protest with the NFL and how people are like, well, why don't you protest another way? And it's like, this is the most peaceful, peaceful protest they can ever be. Like, I just won't stand out new. Exactly. Literally. But I think that this also brings us to the wider topic of respect, um, respectability politics, isn't it? Mm. Where we sometimes, even us as other minority um, members, try mm. to tell um, our others that if we just behave a certain way, then we'll win favor with white people or we'll be okay and we'll be accepted and just things will be okay and we just kind of mm-hmm. like police each other. Because I feel like, like with, with Sane, I, I don't think that he was trying to do this and maybe not even with Sane as much as it was with Inan because his mm-hmm. whole thing was if we can just kind of suppress some aspect of you magi just a bit like mm-hmm. you'll be acceptable enough you know? but who, who did you say saying that with Inan yeah. where he was yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know just to put some magic like, yeah. just mm-hmm. like rough, like smooth the rough edges just a bit and you'll be presentable enough and maybe like you know you won't be as oppressed or you'll be more accepted because you're mm-hmm. more palatable mm-hmm. but he that's respectability politics at its core. It should have been like, we need to better understand why it is that we're mm. so prejudiced against you, right? Yeah. And how can we work towards it as opposed to placing um, placing that weight on their shoulders, like, oh, to be like, just, fix yourself let's right. so that we don't oppress you. Let's, yeah. yeah. Because, like, for me, that scene, I think it's around the time when. And this was so heartbreaking. Um, you know that little girl, Zuleha, the one that was like the yeah, leader of a little yeah, tribe yeah, yeah. around the time when their celebrations were like, um, I think burnt down. And then you yeah. had that guy, I think his name was Kwame or something. I was like, oh, he would have been so fierce when he died. <laughs> yeah. Burn, like, yeah. he, like burn people. And there was a like, cancer that was like spreading the disease. And Inan was like so shocked. I was like, oh my God, these mm. people. Mm. Here I am trying to help them. But how dare they with like their magical powers be doing all these things. Right. But I'm just like, I, mm. Let us be like let's just have a we lot are. of thoughts like, <laughs> if we just like it, it's not about us suppressing ourselves that we're palatable and we're 
okay for consumption. Like we need uh-huh. to get, like we need to get to the root of the issue as opposed to right. maybe if we speak properly or if we yeah do I actually think um, a better example of um, respectability politics would be the um because I think Inan is a whole different case in and of himself, and I have like a several comments. character has never frustrated um, me this yeah. much before. <laughs> Just because, um, and I also believe that um, Inan, I think he's not in the oppressed group, so that respectability politics is not something that we can really like put on his shoulders. Like we can definitely put the whole idea of like if you guys acted this way, maybe like we can definitely put that on him. But I think mm. um, the diviners that we met in Gombe, I think they were a better example of respectability politics. Um, and also like this other idea of like performing for the, um, for the gaze of the oppressors. Right. Yeah. And so the people we met in Gombe, Can they were, um, about these people because I, it's not striking out. It's not, it's not yeah, no, of course I'm not, sorry. the um, warriors. So, yeah, no, they weren't warriors. They were sports. They were sportsmen. Like, um, oh, yes. they were, remember, they used to play that game. I don't remember the game, but the game yeah, that Cezanne also played. Adbon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they all like they play yeah. sports together. Um, and so one thing that I noted was that um, when Amari met them, she was like, "Okay, these are some of the oldest diviners I've ever met." Um, because usually when we see diviners, they're like really, especially like yeah. out and about, if not in the yeah. stocks. Mm-hmm. They're usually like young kids because like by the time they like, you know, are a little bit older, any little peep from them they're thrown into jail you know what i mean like yeah. basically like yeah. walking wild black right existing wild black yeah uh, okay so the ones that were playing sports right um when amari came in and was like guys we can bring magic back they were like no <laughs> like we don't want to like they've gotten used to like yeah. playing by the rules and just like living under the, the radar mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then they also have the added advantage of the fact that you know they are sports players and so like if we remember, like, a lot of people, um, like, in the, even in the black community here in the U.S., like, the sports players, the celebrities, um, people like that, they're the ones that are, like, oh, the exceptions to the rules. Like, they get passes that other people, like, don't get. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. they get that fame and, like, their privilege is a little bit less. I mean, a little bit more, more. just by virtue of being famous or whatever. And so I think that was why they've been able to live so long as opposed to other diviners. Do you know what I mean? And so I thought that was really salient um, that the sports players were some of the oldest diviners and they were also the ones that were like, yo, we don't want magic. Like, we're used to this life. We, we know how to, like, manage the system now mm-hmm. that we are too scared to rock the boat. You know what I mean? Um, and so I thought that, like, spoke really interestingly to the dynamics within, um, like, oppressed communities. Those yeah. that have been able to, like, carve out a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of privilege, yeah. they don't want to rock the boat to, like, of course. go back to, uh, or to like, you know, try to fight for their freedom or whatever. But, they, yeah. I mean, they ended up doing it. Um, yeah. But I just thought that was a really interesting um, character that she made up. So it kind of goes back to the idea that, like, no character was unintentional. Like, so those, yeah. that yeah. group of characters were very intentional. Yeah. I thought they were Agreed. a good addition to the story Agreed. and a um, good yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about every character's terrible purpose, I was like, ah, oh, those darn guards, they like um, mm. got on my last nerves, especially that one that tried to rape Amzali at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Just like, these people are so despicable. But I think, like, it still points to the fact that, like, everything was intentional because, of course, like, in every society, like, where we're using prejudice as some sort of weapon, like, we always have who's enforcing it almost or who's on the front lines and making sure that that's carried out. 
whether it's like an exit agreement or not like we always have that being enforced in one way or the other so like mm-hmm. sometimes in the u.s we can look at the police and see how that is brought to the front um mm-hmm. front lines for instance so we can see like with the guards for instance they were like a direct representation of how um those ideas and those prejudices were like um constantly reinforced with the divine attacks is always going up with mm-hmm. them being free to mm-hmm. use them in whatever way that they wanted mm-hmm. um and oh, yeah. yeah and i liked how she balanced the violence and trauma oh, with also touches of sensuality touches of Ooh, romance yeah there were this, some sen- you know this yeah, this this brings me to my favorite <laughs> yeah. quotes um which were, it was Inan saying to himself, you know, about Zeli, uh, when she turns to me, my breath catches, I forget how to breathe and to think. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, just cross my legs. <laughs> and, 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 and then uh, something that I think Zeli said somewhere or okay. about something, uh, no, Zeli said about maybe her dad saying to her at some point, like, you like because and you love despite. You Ooh, like that one stuck right? with me. It, it's it, it's done, yeah. Wait, which one? You like, you like because what? and you love despite. You like someone because of all their qualities and you love someone despite some of their qualities. Yeah. Mm, I was just like yeah. oh, I did not remember that line at all. That okay. is, yeah. It, it, it sparked a memory as yeah. soon as because I, yeah. I I I I bet you if I open my Kindle right now that part is highlighted because yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. tell me, take yeah. us to church. It it was so good to see men who mm. were um especially African men. Mm black men say who were expressing these emotions that were very well clarified and articulated mm-hmm. and that were central and that were romantic and I, I liked it because usually it's more the girls who are falling head over yes. heels twilight type of thing yeah. or it's mm-hmm. shades of grey type yeah. but here it was you know, um, um, uh, Zayn and Inan were very much yes. uh, active in the expression of their uh, uh, heat. <laughs> so Essentially, yeah. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, even with Inan, like with his struggle with magic and how Nana is finding herself right now. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so hot in here. So sweet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But I think for me, even Inan, right, and his constant, especially in the beginning, his constant struggle with magic and him always being weak and trying to mm. hide from Kamanga, I don't know how her name is pronounced, Kai, Kei, whatever. Mm. Um, even that, I liked that weakness that was yes. shown. Yes. Um, yes. Because I think that sometimes is very, because he also was also like a commander and mm. very strong, mm. and blah, 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 blah. But I'm also happy that. Or trying to be anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, right? Everything was going so wrong for him. Right. Like, I know. Boy. I felt for him at one point, but like not really. I actually thought he was one of the weakest characters in the book, to be quite honest. What do you mean? Um, um, because he, I felt like he almost developed his own views, and then as soon as his dad was back in the picture, he reverted to like his like just supporting his dad's views. But you, do you know, know what I mean? I think that that's also believable because I think that you yeah, don't, you definitely, don't, yeah, definitely. like you don't spend your whole life believing. Because I think that if he had stayed with Zaylee, I would have been like, mm-hmm. "Boy, you were so like, how did you like do yeah. this one eighty? And and I think I I disagree with. 
people like you, Omolaya, uh, who say that he was one of the weakest characters because okay. you, if you feel very strongly about a particular thing, like, you know, you're uh, royal and you are, you know, it's your divine uh, right to control and lead the people in the right way. I think the change you experience should be incremental. It's so small that even we can't see it. And so mm. I appreciated that he went back and forth, back and forth, back and mm. forth. And he was frustrating. When people say a character is frustrating, I was like, yep, nailed it. Because as someone who has made my life profession to be to write characters, I think mm-hmm. that is the hallmark of someone who is getting under your skin, who is not you know, giving you the... The, 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 the instant gratification of what you believe mm-hmm. they should be giving you. And mm-hmm. I think, for me anyway, Inan was one of the strongest male characters in this book because he didn't, you know, go for the girl and, and, and you know, do all mm. of the things that he needed to do. He didn't betray his family because betraying your family, wow, I mean, it takes balls and then some. But I loved how he got her and heaved her against the, tr- against the tree and, you know... It took her mouth. I loved how he <laughs> he gave him he allowed himself moments of pleasure in the dreamscape. I loved yeah. how he he allowed himself to temporarily temporarily forget that he was the son. And he and I, there were hints where she he kept saying only for a moment or you know just like uh, uh, just just a while just until I can convince yeah. her and you know and so I I I really loved. <laughs> I think like oh gosh I think like I, think I went back and forth with him I'm not gonna lie yeah. I, I felt for him I think for the most yes. part I just felt pity for him yes. that was yes. probably the most yes. consistent feeling I had feeling towards him because I, yeah. I did really want him to like come to the light you know see the light and I appreciated the things that where he was going back and forth um, but I agree with both of you in the fact that I think um, how it ended was the most realistic way for it to end mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even the moment where he saved his dad's life I, I don't know, for that, that was a moment where I, like, loved him and pitied him the most, you know what I mean? Him saving his dad's life and then his dad turning around to, spoiler guys, kill him. But for me, okay, there's this phrase we have in Evo. I don't think killed, though. You don't think the dad's Okay, we can talk about that. Oh, and there's this phrase we have in Evo called, um, where we say, like, un and, like, that just means, like, we told you so. Like, basically, like, so, like, how you would use it is, like, if there's, like, um, if a child is, like, reaching for a hot pot, right? And you're, like, don't touch that. And then you turn around and the child goes ahead and touches it anyways. And then their hand burns. You're going to be, like, un to the child because, like, mm. I just told you not to do that. Like, I've been telling, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, I told you, you so, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, for me, when... Um, and not when and Nan's dad attacked him. Yeah. Like I felt love for him, pity yeah. for him, and I also felt like unto. It reminded me so much of the you know the the parents of immigrant children yeah. who have these dual identities or multiple multiple identities who. You know, African parents can be very difficult to relate to when you are living in you know outside africa and i and there's sometimes when they do things and say things that just cut so deep and but then you want to love them and inan's journey outside the palace you know mm. i felt like i could relate you know we've gone outside the perimeters of, mm. of home mm. and you're changing changed mm. but mm. you love your parents you really really love them you can't help but love them because of yeah. duty and black tax and <laughs> here comes their all you know, these just, different ideas. Yeah, and different, uh, exactly. Uh, you want to from the mouth them. of this beautiful girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So it, it oh, money, nine. Oof. Oh, God. Yeah. I just, yeah. um, for me, like, I could, you know, Nicole, everything you said earlier, I could appreciate about him and Omelai also what you said I could. Um, and so I think even as much as I was frustrated, I was like, okay, that means to me is doing her job and she's yeah. doing what I intended to do. Yeah. And I would have lost my respect for him if he had completely you know yeah. come over to Zaylee's side completely because I've been like so what did you spend the first how right. many years of your life believing right. um and doing you know like yeah. how could you so how else can you be easily swayed down the line like what could come along and just catch your fancy mm-hmm. um so I'm happy about that but I think um for King Saran like how do you feel about him because obviously he's the villain mm-hmm. 